Do you have a dog at home at all? Yes. Does he come when you say come? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the defense. You know, it's always there for you, and you can win an awful lot of games with that. Um, so the dog's your best friend, and during the course of the year, you have to have that. The cats, they, they do whatever they please. You know, they're off one set day and they're gone. <laughs> they, they won't come. And they, you know. and that's like your offense sometimes. Hello and welcome to this special Hockey East edition of Puck University. I'm Tim Williams. That soundbite just now is from Boston College head coach and English Bulldog fan Jerry York. I was lucky enough to be able to go to the TD Garden for the Hockey East semifinals and final, so while you sort out your NCAA hockey brackets, let's go over what happened in Boston this weekend. In Friday's first semifinal, UMass Lowell took it to Notre Dame early and didn't let up all evening as the Riverhawks sent the Fighting Irish home. It would be Notre Dame's final Hockey East game. Notre Dame scored the first goal on a complete freak dump-in that got past Tyler Wall, but it was the last time Hockey East would hear that famous Notre Dame fight song. Lowell would go on to score the next five goals, dominating the game from that moment throughout. Fighting Irish coach Jeff Jackson after the game. Well, you know, they, they certainly create a lot of pressure to make bad decisions, and we were our own worst enemy tonight uh, with a lot of, you know, turnovers and key areas of the ice and then our coverage in our defensive zone. You know, those two things stand out to me, things that are really uncharacteristic on how our teams played over the last two months, you know, and uh, I can't explain. The victory sent UMass Lowell to the Hockey's final for the fifth straight season. Norm Bazin spoke to that after the victory. Well, I think the guys like playing here. There's no question. It's, uh, it's an exciting time of year to play hockey. Um, it shows a stability. It shows a consistency uh, within the program. Uh, the culture of accountability and the guys are itching to come back this year. This year was probably uh, the most brutal uh, in terms of regular season, so it was it was very difficult to get here. And uh, so we're we're, uh, we're thrilled we're here, but now you know we've been on both sides of this. We've we've lost two championship games, we've won two, so we'd like to uh, to be on the side of the 2013-14. Notre Dame's position in Hockey East was always a little bit controversial. The conference consisted exclusively of New England-based schools before Notre Dame, and it was a sign of an unpopular realignment to have the Indiana school in the mix. However, on the press level at the TD Garden on Friday, the near-unanimous consensus was that Hockey East will miss Notre Dame. For my part, when they scored their goal and the pep band fired up that iconic fight song, it all made sense why any conference in any sport would want that school around. Like them or hate them, few are indifferent in the college sports world toward those who wear the golden domes. And oh, were they ever gold. The semis were of course held on St. Patrick's Day, and Notre Dame appropriately wore green sweaters under those gold helmets that are visible from outside the building. However, after that one piece of luck of the Irish in the first period, March 17th for Notre Dame played out a lot less like St. Patrick's Day and more like Evacuation Day, a commemoration of New Englanders kicking outsiders out of New England. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned it several times, is that, you know, I mean, the, the teams that were, you 
the, the top teams in the, in the CCHA ever since that league disbanded have all struggled. If you take a hard look at it, I mean, the teams that were always near the top of the standings there. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's, like we, it's like not really being at home. And I think it's, it's happened to all of us. I mean, you look what's happened in Michigan State and Michigan, um, you know, Miami of Ohio, and, and, and ourselves. I mean, I think we've, we've, been, we've been fairly successful in hockey East, but not to the point where, you know, we've won championships. We've been close a little bit at times. Um, both conference-wise and then playoff-wise, but you know it's a great conference, and the depth of the conference is is extremely good. Um, there's no e easy nights in the conference, and you, you can't beat up on the lower-level teams because uh, you know they're they're just not there. So it's uh, it, it's just a it's a different environment. Like as much as we've been proud to be a, a member of Hockey East is that I'm never sure that we've quite felt like we belonged here. And it's kind of a, a crazy thought, but it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of the way it is. And it's not certainly by anybody's actions or anything like that. It's just you don't feel necessarily you know, that you're where you belong. Between the difficulty Notre Dame fans had traveling to the event, the lopsided score of the first game, and the well-known rivalry in the nightcap, it was kind of hard to shake the feeling that the BUBC game that came after Lowell Notre Dame was the real main event. The two share in the Hockey East regular season championship along with Lowell, but BU was generally seen as a favorite in this one given Boston College struggles at the end of the regular season. The first period lived up to the billing with about as much action as a scoreless period can provide. Early in the second, however, BC flipped the script on the Terriers. A Julius Matilla goal, just 158 into this period, gave the Eagles their first goal of the game. Then, with Austin Cangelosi in the penalty box, BC's Ryan Fitzgerald got in shorthanded and put the Eagles up 2-0. BU coach Dave Quinn on the second goal. I thought the shorthanded goal really changed the complexion of the game. I thought we had a good first period. I thought we played well. We had some great scoring chances. Uh, second period starts, we give up a goal that we all like to have back, and then uh, to me the, the backbreaker uh, was the second goal, uh, the shorthanded one. You know, it's one nothing. we had the chance to maybe make it 1-1 or get some momentum off the power play, and the complete opposite happened. And uh, they get the third one early in the third, and you know, it's easy to play from behind, 3 nothing. Um, and then obviously we... Did some crazy things there with the goalie pulled twice, some chances to tie it. But uh, again, I mean, you know, I've mentioned this before throughout the last few weeks, playing with fire, and uh, we played with an inferno tonight. Fitzgerald would add a third BC goal early in the third period. While BU had been on the ropes all period, they were relentless in firing the puck in on net. It was goaltender Joseph Wall who proved much of the difference, stopping 42 shots on the night. He had a shutout with three minutes to play until a Jordan Greenway goal at 17.36 into the third put BU on the board. Just over a minute later, super freshman Clayton Keller found the back of the net to make it a one-goal game. The Terriers had played cardiac kids all last week in rallying back from a pair of two-goal deficits at home against Northeastern and seemed to be on the brink of doing it again at the TD Garden. A shot hit the post late that would have tied the game, but everything came down to a face-off in the Boston College end within the last 10 seconds. The Eagles' Ryan Fitzpatrick took the face-off and, well, let's hear Ryan tell it. It's a little bit of a broken play and just so happened that I kind of 
ended up on the ice and puck was underneath me, so kind of just hovered over it and tried to protect it for as long as possible. What was not mentioned there was that a fight broke out the moment the game ended. Upset by the turn of events and the no call on what Terriers fans will swear up and down was delay of game, several BU and BC players elevated the chippiness of the ComAv rivalry. By the time press conferences had ended on Friday night, Hockey East officials had still not fully sorted out all the penalties. While the takeaway for most people would be that controversial ending that would hang over matters, Dave Quinn did not seem to even consider that possibility. Here's the BU coach. Joe Wall's a hell of a goalie, and he has been for a long time. And uh, he stood tall tonight. And you, know, you want to win playoff games, you got to have great goaltending. they got great goaltending, that's for sure. Tonight. And that really is all there is to it. Controversy or none, and there certainly was controversy, the true difference in Friday night's game was Wall. Jerry York on his netminder's performance. Excellent. And, and, you know, the other big kid played pretty well, too. Uh, those were our two world-class goaltenders. They'll both be at the World Juniors again next year. And so if you look at the American goaltending situation at that age, those clearly the two best. And uh, he made some pretty good saves tonight for uh, the BU. So, but that's a great, if you enjoy goaltending, you saw two excellent goaltenders tonight. The win kept Boston College alive as their only path to the NCAA tournament involved winning the conference. For Saturday night's final, however, the crowd was largely in favor of UMass Lowell, despite Boston College's local nature and hockey tradition. Coming in, people would be forgiven for considering this a coach-off between the longtime great Jerry York and Lowell's architect, Norm Bazin. On Friday night, a lot of the talk during the early game was about how Bazin was demonstrating to the world why he had won Hockey East Coach of the Year award this year. By the end of the night, we were all trying to imagine what exactly Jerry York did during that BC bye week a couple of weeks ago. A minute and six seconds into the game, C.J. Smith of the Riverhawks lit the lamp. BC evened the game a little over four minutes later when they scored in a matter of seconds after their first power play had started. The two teams traded goals again by the end of the first period to finish 2-2 coming into the first intermission. Midway through the second period, the Riverhawks seemed to take over a bit. John Edwards scored to break the tie, then Joe Gambardella added a little bit of wiggle room shortly after. BC did not go away, however, continuing to fire shots on Tyler Wall and in fact outshot Lowell in each of the three periods of the game. With just under three minutes remaining, down two goals, Boston College made one last push. Ryan Fitzgerald, who else, put BC's third goal home, and the Eagles mounted a late surge to try and force overtime. I thought our club played very well tonight. Certainly a lot better than we played at uh, the season when we finished with two losses to Lowell. I thought our, from probably the midpoint of the second period, we really had our has a lot more uh, ice, offensive ice time. We have more chances, more quality chances. And it comes down to, a, you know, you saw it, a Fitzy, a crossbar, uh, from sending the game into overtime. So I thought the team played very well, and Lowell's got an outstanding hockey team. Uh, they've proven it from, you know, October right through to March here. But I thought we more than held our own, and. Uh, but you know, in this game, you can't crossfires go in and you 
all of a sudden you're, you're advancing to a national tournament and you get a chance to do something special and hits a crossbar and goes out the other way. It's I mean, said a matter of inches uh, as, a, as are a lot of sports, but uh, do we deserve better tonight? You know, I thought so. When time ran out, it was Lowell with the victory in the Lamorello Trophy. It's the third title for Riverhawks, all under Lowell alum Norm Bazin. The man who took Lowell from Hockey East also ran to TD Garden Mainstay had a bit to say about that. I think a culture of accountability comes to, to mind first. These kids love to come to practice, and uh, it's so great to work with good kids that want to get better. And we don't have a whole bunch of finished products when they get there. There's no question. We'd like more first and second rounders, but we don't attract those those guys for a lot of reasons. In any event, um, they're good, good kids that love to work. And uh, I can't say enough about them. I think uh, this year was a testament to the type of kids they are because I didn't think we started off as a, a very polished team. But I think we're going to uh, the NCAAs as well. Lowell's C.J. Smith took home the honors as the Hockey East Tournament's most valuable player. Four teams from the conference will move on to the NCAA Tournament. University of Massachusetts Lowell, Boston University, Notre Dame, and Providence. Boston College was one of the last teams left out of the tournament. I think it's hard to just win a hockey game. I think it's, we've always talked about that. It's hard to win a game and it's certainly hard to uh, win championships. Uh, I think Lowell uh, and Norm have done an uh, outstanding job uh, recruiting and bringing quality players into Lowell. Um, you know, it just uh, speaks for itself that if, you know, uh, now they're going to take the next step and win a national championship. So that's probably their goal now. Certainly possible possibility. Lowell will be a two seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament but they will get to play extremely close to home. Manchester, New Hampshire is a pretty short drive from Lowell, so expect a loud building when the Riverhawks take on Cornell this weekend. We'll be back Friday to discuss the beginning of the NCAA tournament, who benefits from the draw, who has their work cut out for them. I'll also give you a Hobie Baker update to see how postseason tournaments might be impacting the voting. I'm Tim Williams. Thanks for joining me on Puck University, and as always, keep your head up and your hits clean.